This is the Awesome Cast. To the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. And I'm Douglas. I'm Kevin. And that's us, the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. And I'm Douglas. I'm Kevin. And that's us. And yes, so we're back with yet another roundtable episode about PlayStation, also with guest starring Christmas Kitty. Yes, Christmas Kitty. Christmas Kitty's pretty awesome. Uh, so, my little sister has a daughter. And in addition to having a daughter, they also had this cat that was named Dr. Kitty. Well, about two weeks ago, actually by now it's closer to three weeks ago, Dr. Kitty, he, he became a doctor without borders and he just, he just left. And he's not been seen, they haven't heard from him, he hasn't written a postcard or anything. But he's out there with Blackjack, playing by his own rules. Yeah, he's out there with Blackjack, but not with the three-year-old who desperately misses her kitty. And so, one of the things that she asked for Santa Claus was that she just wanted Dr. Kitty to come home for Christmas. (laughs) And they can't make that happen. As much as they want to try, they can't make Dr. Kitty come home. So they have instead decided to get her a new kitten. That will be her kitten. And it will stay indoors so it doesn't just disappear one day. Well, Ebola isn't going to cure itself. Yes, and they uh, contracted Barry and I out to keep the kitty secret until Santa can come pick him up and bring him over. And don't worry, folks, this is coming out after Christmas. So Which they probably know if they're listening to this. That's true. But we hope you had a wonderful Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, and whatever other heathen things you like to do and during a the time thoroughly debauched Saturnalia. There you go. Enjoy that. Or enjoyed that, because it's already happened. Uh, one thing I enjoyed was that on Final Fantasy fourteen? I noticed that certain gold spammers, after they gold spammed you, if you you were if they had like, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year in their thing, and you responded back Happy Hanukkah to them, they stopped gold spamming you like from that specific company. So yeah, putting some of that anti-Semitism to my favor. <laughs> Pro tip. <laughs> you can find us at awesomecast.com. This is going to be mostly. A roundtable episode. It's not one of our normal episodes where we talk about a bunch of things, then we take a break and talk about a specific topic. This is all, except for one other segment we're going to do, all about the specific topic. This topic is going to be the Sony PlayStation 2. Our last episode, we were going to do all of PlayStation, and that turned out to be dumb. Because apparently we loved the PlayStation way more than we realized. We did. 
So you had a whole episode just on the PlayStation. We're pretty sure we can do a whole episode on PS2. PS3 and PS4, those probably will get one episode. And uh, along with the portable, so this is going to be... You had PlayStation 1, it's going to be all PlayStation 2. The next one's going to be all PS3, PS4, what have yous. Then we'll probably go right into the Awesome Awards, because it'll be 2014 easily by that point. Yes. Some point, you're going to get Gun to Build Fighters, I swear, on the 12. It's going to happen. But you can find us, the website, awesomecast.com. You can check out our index of awesome. You're more than welcome to subscribe to the podcast. The RSS feed is there. We have instructions on how to get your feed into iTunes. We also have Stitcher. Please, on Stitcher, if you like us, review us. Five stars would be amazing, but frankly, I'll take what I can get. I'm not picky, but man, five stars would be good. Unless it's actually a six-star system, I haven't been paying attention. In which case, I want seven. Well, if you want to play with us on Final Fantasy XIV, we're on the Leviathan server. Our free company is called Odin Spear, and you can contact us at Umito de la Lune. And you can also find us in social media. On Twitter, at AwesomeCast, or tw- Tumblr, AwesomeCast, Facebook, AwesomeCast. We, up those thing- we update those things occasionally, rarely, but you should still follow them, because one day I'll stop being lazy. Today's not that day, though, because we're busy talking. Talking's important. Please send us emails at AwesomeCast at gmail.com. Leave us comments in our comment sections. I read them all. Sometimes I even read them out here. Speaking of which, on Twitter... Apparently, we sold at we we might have sold at Passion Tentacle at Vita. Nice, but we're not talking about the Vita in this episode. That'll be next episode. So, what are we apparently talking about? Well, before we get into the PS2, there is one thing going on. If we don't talk about it now, it's gonna be too late to talk about it. And that's all about the Starlight and our Final Fantasy XIV Rumble Board Minute. <laughs> yes, we are doing a Final Fantasy XIV Minute. Because the Starlight Festival is on, and by the time the next episode of this one goes out, it'll be done. Yes, it will be done. So if we're going to talk about it, we actually need to talk about it now. Okay. Well, yeah, I have not seen any of the Starlight Festival stuff. Well, I have. I've completed it. It's it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Uh, I definitely... I think I like the outfits a little bit better than I like the Halloween outfits. Uh, it's still not as good as last year, but with the release of the... With the release of the pay for premium items kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know, all the I- all the premium items are basically just cosmetic, so you can still buy last year's uh, thing even if you weren't actually playing the game for it. I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a on something like that, but I don't know if you have to spend real money on it. You do. Well, I know for like the Santa looking gear, you don't. Really? Yeah, I saw the Dream Hat on the auction on the markets. Really. Yeah, it was like 20000 Interesting. Gale. It was like super cheap. Interesting. Like, I was actually online one day, and some person had just had a bunch of them. Uh-huh. And was just handing them out for free. Man, that's nice. Like, on Blu-ray, I have both Santa outfits now. Oh, that's actually pretty nice. So, I don't know about, like, the snowman outfit or any of the other outfits they did. Yeah. But the Santa outfit, I, you might even be able to craft them. I'm not sure. Okay. So, but I know that I saw a bunch of Santa hats... Or the dream hats, as they call them, on the markets. Well, I really had fun, uh, I really had fun doing the little, doing the little seasonal quest. Uh, in our free company house, we put down the blue tree, the sentinel. 
there is the way the way it works is that you're giving gifts to kids. Like, yeah. so it's, Aww. you know, it's, 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 it's very sweet where all the four, three free company, uh, grand companies, which are all the three major cities you go to the game in the housing districts, you can, there are trees and you can go to the tree and a kid's left a letter. You go to the letter and then you get a present to take to the kid. And the kid's happy and you go back and you get an item. Yeah. Uh, in every quest, there is a tree that Square Enix put up that has a green star, and that will give you one screen, one green tradable item. And but if you get a certain number of them, and it was the first thing I bought for our free company was was to buy this tree because if you turn in red, blue, or yellow items, that will turn into two green. So it's just more economic to always get the other stars. And it also encourages you to go to, because the, all these trees are being placed up by the other free companies and their mm-hmm. housing bits. So it gives you an excuse to check out all the housing areas yeah. in your district, which is really neat. It's a really great way of getting you out and about learning who your neighbors are and seeing what other people have been doing with all their houses. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Um a free company that we're pretty friendly with, uh, the Onion Knights. They have a red star in their in their tree in their yard, and uh, what color does Raven have? They don't have one. Oh, they don't have one. They don't have one. Aw. Well, there's another free company. I'm trying to remember what their name is. Oh, Control. Uh, Control has a uh, a yellow star in the lavender beds and theirs. Okay, I've I honestly for the yellow star. I wander the lavender beds. Like a wild man, just looking for <laughs> yellow stars. Well, you can just go to Control's house. They have one. Okay. So, pro tips all around if you're on the Leviathan server. And if you aren't, why aren't you? You should be. Move. If you're on some other server, stop that. Come to ours. We'll play. We'll hang out. It'll be cool. It'll be fun. Be awesome. Because we're the awesome cast, and we know what awesome tastes like. Mm-mm. Tastes like tea. That's that's actually accurate. Actually, give me some tea. I want tea. So yeah, uh, I guess before we go, how has your fourteen life been, Kevin? Um, I've had much of a fourteen life. Lately. We converted your private room in the free company house into. We a did. Room. We did turn my room into a bathhouse. It's it's been pretty fun hanging out in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've actually leveled up my uh, Blu-ray is now a level fifty ninja. Or as awesome. I like for it, level 50 stabbies. Pretty good. So the next time we actually talk about ninjas and the actual next for reals 14 minute, we can actually talk about the ninjas for real reals. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not just for play plays. But, yeah, I need to get back, but I've been doing other random things. So, that's been your Final Fantasy 14 at Rebel Board Minute! That's been your Final Fantasy XIV of Realm of Born Minute. Yay! <laughs> so without further ado, the system that held the precursor to Final Fantasy XIV, the PlayStation 2. <laughs> I, I hope you mean Final Fantasy XII. I'm we... pretty sure he means Final Fantasy XII. Because we all know. Oh, oh, you're right. Final Fantasy XI yeah. was on PS2. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> It totally ca- like, it totally had to buy that hard drive that was only good for eleven, and eleven sucked on consoles. <laughs> there were other things that it was good for, like it didn't like if you bought the hard drive, it didn't only work on eleven. It also worked on any other PlayStation Two game that required a hard drive. 
Which was like two of them. Yeah. I can't remember what the other two were. One, it, they were Resident Evil games. Oh, well. There you go. There you go. So yeah, the hard drive was pretty useless unless, in fact, you had... Eleven. Eleven. Or one of those two Resident Evil games. But the Sony PlayStation 2 was the sequel system to PlayStation. Mm-hmm. PlayStation, PlayStation 2. They learned to count. A trend that continues to this day. It's true, unlike Microsoft, who can't count. Didn't the PlayStation 1 actually come out after the PlayStation 2, and it was just a PlayStation only... They called it PlayStation 1 to try to differentiate. Well, they redesigned the PlayStation as the PS1. Yeah. And it did come out, like, right around the same time as the PS2. Mm-hmm. The PS2 came out, was sort of, like, in between the PlayStation and the PlayStation 2, there was a Sega Dreamcast. Because Sega was like, okay, the Saturn's not making us enough money. This is actually pretty complicated to uh, produce. It's costing us more money than it is to sell it. Let's make a cheaper system, a better system at the same time. They made the Dreamcast. It was really cool. People bought it, but not nearly enough. And it didn't help that the same year they announced the Dreamcast, they announced when the Dreamcast was coming out. And that March of 99, Sony announced the PS2 and talked about how amazingly graphically better it was going to be and how it was going to have the future of home media as its design, the DVD. Ooh. Which feels kind of weird now. It does. To talk about the DVD as some revolutionary new standard of home video. But I do remember that it really was. Hey, when you get your anime with your English sub, or your English dub and your Japanese with subtitles on the same disc for the same price... No special hoops to jump through. That was mind-blowing. And, you know, before we get to the whole, you know, the system itself, you know, um, I know Vinny from the Twitters did ask how important did, did we feel the DVD had with the PS2 success. And I would say wholeheartedly it was a huge reason. Yeah. yeah it, it was my DVD player. And that was because it was the cheap, one of the cheapest DVD players on the market, this was at the time where there were like five and six hundred dollar DVD players, mm-hmm. and the PS2 was three hundred bucks. You know, it was almost half the price of a lot of the DVD players that hit the market around the same time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like DVD players were cheap yet; they were all that expensive, except for the PS2, which was quote unquote cheap for a DVD player at three hundred. And also played PS2 games. It also played PS1 games. I think that it playing the PS1 games, like the I, the entire idea of backwards compatibility, the idea that your new system would play your old system's game, was not something that any system had ever really done before that I knew of. Um, and so it, like, to me, that was an amazing thing. And part of why I think the PlayStation Two. The PlayStation 2 just hands down won that generation as far as the console wars are concerned. Like, it just ran laps around everybody else. Like, GameCube was nice. I liked my GameCube, but I had to admit that the PlayStation 2 was where it was at most of the time, except for my very few niche games that were on the GameCube. Everything else was on PlayStation 2, and Xbox was a joke. Well, that's that's an opinion. 
that it's I don't... It's the correct opinion, I don't but entirely it's... agree, but... <laughs> it's the correct opinion, but... But the PS2 did something interesting. If I remember correctly, I believe they took the major plate, the major chip that powered the PS1, and that was the sound chip of the PS2. Yeah. And that's why the PS2 could play the PS1 games, was because they could actually run the actual hardware, and they just built... Yeah, they just built a second, a second one in there. They just built it into the PS2... As the sound chip, which was pretty smart, and it was, you know, it was using the, the Emotion Engine developed by uh, Ken Kutaragi, because it was supposed to be the first video game system that would allow you to truly see emotions on the characters, because it was so powerful. It was like Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> which is what you'll hear every time someone now does a video game system. It's new, it's... You could have, you could be just like Toy Story, only it's a video game. Is this a comparison that's actually been made out loud? I'm pretty positive it has. I guess I've never heard this, yes. but I tend not to watch people's actual press conferences and such. But um, Mo Basil does. Yes. So yeah. So between the the the, it was only a hundred bucks more than a Dreamcast. It was supposedly way more powerful than Dreamcast. In reality, it was only like. Kinda more powerful than Dreamcast, <laughs> and more importantly, it was a really cheap DVD player. It came out and it sold out, and people had issues. And it's now one of the most, if not the, still the one of the best, greatest selling video game systems of mankind. And they stopped making it at the beginning of this year. Yep. Yeah, they were even still coming out with PlayStation Two games. Like, when was the last PlayStation 2 game? Because I seem to remember seeing PlayStation 2 new games on the shelf uh, last time I walked into Best Buy, which was maybe a year ago. Maybe. They were um, creeping out. Here and there, one or two. Thankfully, Wikipedia's got you covered. In fact, there is there was an expansion for Final Fantasy XI released. <laughs> the Seekers uh, of... Adelaide in Japan. They also released Pro Evolution Soccer 2014. So that means last year. They were making games still last year. Yeah. So even like even though the PlayStation 4 was was PlayStation 4 out last year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the PlayStation yep. 4 out, there was still PlayStation 2 games coming out. Yeah. So Kevin. Yes. What's the story about your getting your PS2? Um, I don't really have a story on that one, other than it was a Christmas present from my mom. I'm given to understand it was a pain in the ass to acquire. I do not know the full extent of that story. Do you remember the games you got with it? No, it was a birthday present. It was a birthday present. Final Fantasy X. I got Final Fantasy X and Zone of the Enders. And it was a while, it had been out a while before I got one. But I think I got Zone of the Enders really cheap. Because only, most people only seem to care about the Metal Gear demo. I was one of the few people who legitimately liked Zone of the Enders. <laughs> it's true, that was that, that was also a while after Zone of the Enders came out. Yeah, like it was, that wasn't brand new. Final Fantasy X had pretty much just come out. So, so Doug, how did you get your your PS2. Uh, again, Christmas gift from pa from the parents. I don't know if it was 
difficult to acquire. I assume it was, because it was a Christmas gift from a PlayStation 2. Um, let's see. I got, Final I got Final Fantasy 9 with it. Which, you know, like I said, I thought Final Fantasy 9 was actually a PlayStation 2 game. You know, it actually was a PlayStation 1 game, but I think it had a, a 2 port. Which game? 9. No, it didn't know. It came out at the same time, but it was a, yeah. It was still a PS1 game. Yeah, it was still a PS1 game, but I'm pretty sure they made it a copy and put it in two boxes. No. They only ever did it on PS1. But it played in your PS2 just fine. Yeah. So, because it was fully backwards compatible. But yeah, Final Fantasy IX was only a PS1 game. I want to argue with you on this point. I'm trying to look over at my collection of PlayStation 1 games. Yeah, there it is. Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, no. PlayStation 1 case. Yeah, PlayStation 2 case. Her, I see in your PS2 case is Final Fantasy 12, Final Fantasy 10. Oh, that's 12. Okay, never mind. My eyesight, I can't see it from here. That's, yeah, I don't think that happened, but... Oh, that's actually your copy of 12, I think. <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly. Because I think quite... that's after we started sharing video games. <laughs> Wait, quite possibly, but, but yeah, I can say I'm pretty definitively sure that they never, they never did a PS2 two version, because even with, um, for example, when they did a Metal Gear collection later on in, which was Metal Gears 1, 2, and 3 on the PS2, mm -hmm. the Metal Gears 1 was still PlayStation Black Discs. Well, I'm not arguing with you, I'm just talking about the packaging. <laughs> I'm just talking about the packaging that it came on. <laughs> I am, I'm pretty sure. Well, but that point aside, I still... Because I was a dumb kid, thought Final Fantasy IX was a PlayStation 2 game. Okay, that's, that's fine. Because I, I got it for Christmas with my brand new PlayStation 2. <laughs> well, Final Fantasy IX and like, if I remember correctly, Final Fantasy IX came out in September of 2000, in America in 2000. Uh, no, it came out, I'm wrong, thank you once again, Wikipedia. Final Fantasy IX came out in the United States on the PlayStation 1. November of 2000, and the PlayStation 2 came out in October of 2000. Yeah. So the Final Fantasy IX did come out after... After the launch after of the PlayStation, launch, PlayStation 2. After so. So that more credence to my... I got confused. Yeah. I think I got 9 about when it came out, but I did not have a PlayStation yeah. 2 for till 10. I, I got it that Christmas. Yeah, it took me... I was, it was, I didn't get my, I got my PS2 the latest out of everyone. Like, I am probably, like, the least PS2 nostalgic one in the in the room. Yeah. Except for maybe the Bruce the dog. Who Bruce might loves. not have been alive. Bruce loves PS2. What are you talking about? But I actually got it through, through, through hoodwinking and skullduggery. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brother had bought a PS2. We're not sure how he got the, P the money for the PS2, but he got the money for a PS2. And he had it, and it stopped working. Uh, one of the biggest issues that the PS2, the original models of the PS2 actually had was the DRE, the disc read error. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, before there was a red ring or the yellow light of doom or death or what have you. There was the DRE, the disc read error, and a lot of the original models had these issues. Yeah, I do. I have a PS2. It's not my original PS2 anymore. <laughs> now, what's what's interesting was that Sony said that they would fix all PS2s that had this problem. 
free of charge. You just had to ship it to them. And my brother was throwing out his old PS2 because it didn't work. So I go, hey, if I could fix the PS2, can I have the PS2? He goes, sure, I'm throwing it away anyways. Here you go, you can throw it out. I turn on, discreet error. Called Sony, shipped it off, it was eight bucks. Nice. Two weeks later, I got a PS2. And my brother was like, screw you, I'm buying an Xbox. <laughs> and so he did. And like, and this was, this was, I think, I, I, in my opinion, was the, was the last real, true three-pronged console war. Because after this, Nintendo kind of gave up trying to compete directly. Yeah. And they tried to, they just went into, they decided to start zigging right while everyone was zigging left, and they just kept zigging right while everyone kept zigging left. Uh, because the PS2, the Xbox, and the GameCube were all somewhat similar in power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can argue between the Xbox and the GameCube on which one was actually more powerful. They both were both more powerful than the PS2 on a technical level, but that was because they came out like a year after the PS2 came out. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And for me, when I was a kid, you know, I say kid, young teen, young or old teenager at this point, um, I was on, I went back to the Nintendo side. I, I felt bad because I was, I'm, I'm a terrible Nintendo fanboy and I felt bad about being a Nintendo fanboy and not owning a Nintendo 64. And so I was going to make it up to Nintendo by buying a GameCube. Well, by the end of that generation, the GameCube did have my love. Again, because the GameCube was the system that kept having, like, the niche games that I really super enjoyed. Uh, but the bulk of my games were on the place were on the PlayStation 2 and i got just so much utility out of the PlayStation 2 not only because of the dvd player but because it could also play my old PlayStation games well yeah and but a lot a lot of the third party games mm-hmm. in this generation were on all three yeah and there was a fair amount of overlap yeah there was a fair bit of overlap and also the, on, on the Xbox side, it had its decent share of exclusives. You had to have the Knights of the Old Republic games. Mm-hmm. You know, Halo 4, whether you like first-person shooters or not, was a revolution in first-person shooting shooter games. Uh. Like, you know, it did, it did lay the groundwork for Xbox Live. It was the first... Real and true online. Well, I really like I really liked the 360. I liked the 360 probably better than any other system of that generation. But the PlayStation 2, oh, I just thought I, I just loved it so much more. Well, and again, out of the three those three consoles, the PS2 like was the conquering hero by a landslide. Like, like, it sold way more than both of the other systems in the end. Like, it didn't just, like, it didn't just, like, do laps around the others. It did laps backwards, prancing and singing songs. I, I just feel that if you actually look at the libraries of, the, of all three systems... Yeah. There are definite standouts in all of them. Yeah. And I really can't feel that if you looked at the best tiles in all of them, you can't just go, well, that PS2 crushed the other two. When I feel it was a bit more of a closer race, if you take if you take a couple steps back. No, I think PS2 pretty much crushed them. Like, this is even looking at this is even saying this, knowing that most yeah. of my favorite games that generation were on the GameCube. Yeah, 
Once but, I got a Wii, I never owned a GameCube. I never owned an Xbox. Once I got a Wii, I went back and got on GameCube like Tales of Symphonia yeah. and Eternal Darkness. And when I got Xbox 360, I got the Knights of the Old Republic games, Jade Empire, and Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth. Well, the PlayStation <laughs> 2 is just, is just, you know, so symbolic to me of that certain time in my life. Like, the PlayStation 2 was my comfort zone. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I've got sh- shelves of PS2 games that I love. My, my parents <laughs> were getting divorced at that time, but Christmas still, still didn't suck, even though Mom and Dad were down downstairs screaming at each other because me and my little sister had crawled upstairs to play Final Fantasy X in the darkness of our wing of the house. Ah, it was wonderful. So, yeah. So the PS2, it's definitely... I wouldn't say a formative system. It, I, 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 I wouldn't say formative. Uh, I would say formative. <laughs> but I would say it was comprehensive. Ah, uh, so that's the name of my word for the, for the podcast, no, guys. No, you, you... Comprehensive. You apparently is your word for the, for the podcast. Apparently. I, I tried to hint at that earlier. Well, I missed that. Yeah, I, I miss that. I tried. There's always hit. one. There's always <laughs> one. I don't know. PlayStation Two. Apparently, apparently that's it. Apparently that's it. Two might have been the last system I could love with my whole heart. Yeah. And I don't know if that's an age thing. I think it is an age thing. I think kids today are loving on the PlayStation Four and whatever the newest of the. Microsoft boxes is, you know. Xbox One, because uh. they can't count. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I love my DS pretty wholeheartedly. Well, I mean, at least my DS is in my pocket right now, but... I never could love my DS or my or my 3DS. I do love my 3DS, but I, I still can't love any of them as much as I love the Game Boy Advance SP. But and I don't think I love any console as much as I love the Super Nintendo, but... <laughs> But I do have to say, I really did like the PlayStation 2 as a system. I, I think I love the Sega CD more than anyone actually did on Earth, besides me. Now, the PlayStation 2 was the first system that I was aware of. And this may not this may not be true, it may just be because it was the first one I was aware of. But it was the first system I was aware of that had some major... It had some major... uh design flaws. Like, you know, there was the design flaw that you mentioned. And it seemed like throughout its whole life, like, things would eventually happen. Like, it, this, like the sound card chip would break, and so now it can't play PlayStation 1 games. Or it got stuck only being able to play uh, DVDs and couldn't play games anymore. Right, because it was, there was a, uh, there were two lasers yeah. in the system, and if there was a little motor that moved the two lasers around, and if that motor burned out... Yeah, you just got stuck with it doing one or the other, and it couldn't do all kinds of games. Uh, the PlayStation 2 is also the first system I ever modded to play import games. You didn't mod your Super Nintendo? Nope. God, the Super Nintendo mod was the easiest Well, mod. yeah, Super Nintendo was easy. <laughs> you got cut out a little corner. Like, even I modded my Super Nintendo. I never had any import games for Super Nintendo. That's true. Those were expensive to come by because they were cartridges. Well, they're... Yeah. But Mega Man... But Mega Man. They all came out in the U.S. No, they didn't. Well, except for, like, maybe... Well, I guess... The best game didn't. Well, that was, that was that was the one that you wanted to play with, uh... Was it Bass? Yeah. Forte. Or, or Forte. Forte. However you call it. Yeah. yeah. It, he, Forte was the original Zero. <laughs> 
But it's true. I, I... Look it up. Know your Mega Man lore. He died for you. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying, Kevin? But Oh, actually, I think I'm wrong. I did mod my PS1. Super Robot Wars. Super Robot Wars Alpha. But I had to mod my PS2 for Super Robot Wars Alpha 3. Which... Some still argue is the greatest Super Robot Wars game ever made. Now, I do remember, before I actually got my hoodwinked PS2, I did borrow our friend Neil's PS2 for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually how I played Metal Gear Solid 2 and Final Fantasy X. Uh, I would borrow it for a time while he borrowed my GameCube. PlayStation 2 era was also the era that I moved to Atlanta and lived in my boyfriend's parents' basement with him. And we played DDR on the PlayStation 2 all the time. God, that means that was also the era of WoW. It was. WoW was during PS2. Uh-huh. Now that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. That's weird. It is weird to think that's about that, weird. isn't it? <laughs> that makes sense. Once we get into the games, that does make sense. Now that I think about it, because that's my... That was the course of it, that began the course of MMOs that I was playing. Yeah. But, yeah, for me, it was just a case of, I actually had a DVD player in my computer, and so all the anime DVDs I would play, I actually played on my computer. I didn't actually need the DVD player of the PS2 for a while. Now, once I got a PS2, I started watching everything on my TV on the PS2. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so PS2, it's, it's definitely a system, and we're going to talk about the games. We'll be right back. This is the Awesome about PlayStation 2, the second PlayStation in the series of PlayStation video game entertainment systems. So, obviously, the first important game that we need to talk about is Orphan Scion of Sorcery. <laughs> Do we? What? Do, Do we, we have to? Is was, that a game? It's a launch title. It was. <laughs> it was it, look, man, it was one of the first anime games. We got it on the PlayStation 2. It was. Because it was an anime game that was a launch title on the PS2. There wasn't that many games when the PS2 launched. Oh, God. It was, I think, that, I think like a Madden and something else. Like, it was... I think Madden was one of the other PlayStation 2 games I got for Christmas that year. It was really for Dad, oh. but, you know. I have only nebulous <laughs> memories of Orphan at best, both the anime and the game. Okay. Well, then how about Dark Cloud? Dark Cloud came soon afterwards. That was you know, the, one of the very first level five games on the system. I never played Dark Cloud. Neither have I. I was hoping that you did. A lot no. of people said that was great. Or Dark Cloud 2 was great. Which was better, but yeah, like... But I, I never played the Dark Cloud games. Then do you remember what your first PS2 game was? I mean, besides Final Fantasy X. Eh, Final Fantasy X and Zone of the Enders. The, the truth is that actually, like... So much was going on with me during the PlayStation 2 era that a lot of the games, like the timing of them really does kind of blend together, especially coming in the heels after the PlayStation 1 era. Like, I think I played Star Ocean at some point. 
Well, you know what? Screw it. I played Star Ocean, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, for then, then forget this whole linear progression of time. Let's, let's just talk about the ones we liked. All right, Star Ocean till the end of time. Oh man, I love that game. I love that game so much. Okay, well, two thousand four. That was actually one of the games that was under the plate, the Square Enix mantle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was a that was a triace, like all the Star Ocean games. So there what, came a point. What's a triace? Uh, the the makers. Oh, the okay. Triace, okay. who are pretty much known for there will come a point in the game where they will assume you've learned how to break the system, and then we'll start scaling everything accordingly. Yeah, they just kind of figure. I believe for Star, I believe that for the Star Ocean, it was about the point you fight the giant dragon. <laughs> they they had went. You, they probably figured out how to break this thing by now, right? <laughs> so let's make this dragon hard as balls. Yeah, the scaling was weird in that game. It felt like the tutorial was not comprehensive enough, and yet overbearing. <laughs> but it was a fun game. I've liked almost all the Star Ocean games. Mm-hmm. But... Like I, I made uh, I made the kind of connection with that game that I really haven't made with since like another Tales game. Uh, I know, which Tales is of... appropriate since back in the ancient mists of time, they were the same development staff. <laughs> yes, that is appropriate, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, let's see, uh, that generation. This was actually the generation of games that I was introduced to. Uh, that I was introduced to the Tales series. Like the Tales series had existed beforehand. I just somehow walked around completely oblivious to it, probably because I was playing on the Super Nintendo. Well, we didn't actually get it. Yeah. On the Super Nintendo, that was when it first came out. Yeah. We, they didn't really hit until the original PlayStation. We got Tales of Destiny. Now, what system was Symphonia for? That was on the GameCube. That started off on GameCube. Yeah. So I actually played Symphonia on the GameCube, but then the other two Tales games play, came to the PlayStation Two. Tales of the Abyss was absolutely wonderful. Tales of Crapendia was not. But Abyss was wonderful. <laughs> well, Abyss was good. I don't know if I want to say say amazing. Abyss has its a lot of fans, though. Abyss Abyss has a lot of good points to it. That if you're make if you are wanting to make an R, a JRPG style video game, you should probably go to Tales of the Abyss for one of your examples of how to. Uh, and the specific how to is how to world build. Yeah. I guess... How to world build, how to have characters that have interweaving backstories. I guess... Just not a big fan of Abyss, huh? No, I, I played... I, I didn't actually play until 3DS. Yeah. I don't play 3DS, and it doesn't help that everything Abyss does, they took it and made better versions of it than Vesperia. Well, Vesperia was the most perfect game ever that has ever been made, and... And it's just not fair comparing. I remember that. Abyss me going like I really it was annoyed at this one character, and by that time the first character stopped being annoying. Instead, all the other characters became annoying in response, <laughs> and then it took a while for all the characters to stop just being annoying, and then that was like two thirds of the game. Hmm. Like and so. And the world building was okay, but was it was it that it wasn't any better than any other role playing game I played? Well, I thought that Abyss did it particularly well. 
Uh, there have been a lot of games that have had good world building. I just thought that Abyss really did do it well. Uh, in fact, Vesperia actually could have taken a page from Abyss's world building. Uh, Vesperia had a few gaping holes, but I loved it anyway. It's still perfect, even with those gaping holes. But yeah, so so yeah, tales. But yeah, so more about that. Uh, but more about Crapandia. Oh God, Crapandia! Fuck Crapandia! Fuck Tales of Crap and Dia, motherfucker, goddamn, goddamn legend of crap. Well, so this a... was your favorite Tales game, right? <laughs> no, uh, this game had much the same problem. This game had much the same problem that Final Fantasy VIII did, where I had just finished playing Final Fantasy VII, so now there was this new fo- game in the Final Fantasy series, and so it, it was going to be wonderful, and oh, wait, there's no way it could possibly be that wonderful. Um, except, even more so, Tales of Symphonia was, I was almost starting to feel disheartened in the entire JRPG genre, because by the time I played Symphonia, like, I, I was, you know, losing heart. I hadn't loved Final Fantasy VIII or IX as much as I had expected to love them. I didn't really know where else to go to other than Square Enix to get a good RPG, and so when I played Symphonia... And I found another good RPG made by somebody that wasn't Squaresoft. My mind was blown. And it was wonderful. Uh, And so I got super excited about... I I got super excited about Tales of Legendia coming out. Uh, You know, I I pre-ordered the strategy guide. I didn't actually read it. I just flipped through it looking at the character art. Like, I was so excited to meet all these different characters. And then I got the game, and I played it, and I I got maybe three of the three of the playable characters before I just turned the game off because I just hated all of them so much. <laughs> just so much. Like, I didn't hate the main character too much, but I hated the second guy you got, like, super... I hated his stupid face. I don't even think there's really anything wrong with him. I'm not actually making a judgment on his character. He just had such a stupid face that I just wanted to punch it. And I wanted him to stop talking. But he was like the tutorial character. He was like the character that explained to you how to play the game. And so he wouldn't stop talking. (laughs) And I just hated him. Oh my god, the game got a little bit better when I turned it off and I didn't have to actually hear his grating awful voice but the problem was that the best part of the game was the music the music was wonderful <laughs> and then came back in kaitos and i was happy again that was gamecube <laughs> was it yep crap <laughs> those monoliths soft after they basically after they went over to nintendo like forever apparently um but before then, they made a, a little series called uh, that thing. Yeah, um, Zeno, no. Zeno, Zeno Saga, Zeno Saga, Zeno. Yeah, Saga uh, Face, whatever. Which I guess ultimately should be considered a failed project. <laughs> um, well, I mean, failed. It's really weird when you say when they get to make three video games on the PS2. A failed project, but that's only because they wanted to make like 15 billion games. Can we talk about Prince of Persia Sands of Time? Yes, after we finish talking about Xeno. Because Kevin really likes Xeno Saga. Oh, Xenosaga. Xenosaga. sorry. Motherfucking Xeno Saga. 
Motherfucking Xenosaga! Okay, okay, I saw it. I didn't realize. Which was going to be the big, massive reboot of Xenogears, like, as the larger story envisioned by the creator. And they only. Too much? Basically. (laughs) Wasn't it just too much? Like, really, the first. In the grand scheme, the basically what became Xenosagas 1, 2, and 3 should have been the first game. Wow. Like, that should have been the first game in a series of at least six or seven. Yeah. That was also, that was also the game that had the joke of, like, you could, like, knit a sweater during the, that course of one cutscene. They did have some long cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> But it instead it, they settled for a more uh, practical game structure. But I really like I, I've liked all the games to bear the Xeno uh, moniker. Mm-hmm. Um, if we ever talk about the Wii, well, like it in this manner, I'll probably talk about Xenoblade. Uh, but Xenosaga was fun. I love Xenosaga. Xenosaga 2 actually kind of sucks. I still love it. It's just it has a horrible system, and the story mills around nowhere, and then it's up to 3 to salt, save the day, but I still like these characters enough that I still like the second game. And it's got Cosmos, the most awesome android ever, and yeah. And now does 3 save the day? In a, for me, in a lot of ways, yes. Um, 3 is definitely the best of the series, which strangely had the most vanilla RPG combat system of the three. Like, even if you compare with Xenogears, they all had kind of their own weird interface that had their own weird spin on what they thought a game combat interface should be. And Xenogears was good. Xenosaga 1 was good. Xenosaga 2, you just about had to read the strategy guide to get a good idea of how it worked. Um, three, it was pretty straightforward, and it was just more of a vanilla attack, spell, you know, you learn new moves, yay, you know, you level up, you put points into a little grid that gets, or a little line of abilities, you know, it's like, has a regular old skill tree, you know, and it's, and there you go. But three, one, having the biggest production value, like the best, the most latest along the line, had the best graphics, had the best production values. They also tried to throw in as many references to Xenogears as they humanly could. And an ending that makes you think it might somehow magically lead into Xenogears one day. Um, And I really hope one day, since Namco, Bandai Namco still owns the rights to it, I really hope the, like, HD remaster version happens one day, because those cutscenes do exist in HD. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. Um, and I would really like to see that, and the big guy behind Tekken would really like to see that, even though I'm blanking on his name right now. I think it's something harder. Yeah, he had a, some Twitter stuff about that not too long ago. Like, he would really like to see that happen also. Where, ironically, the people who made it Monolith Soft went off to become Monolith Soft, and, well, are pretty much working for Nintendo forever now. But they almost always work Cosmos into every game they make ever since. <laughs> But I'm guessing that you do now want to move over to this GameCube game I'm looking over here called 
Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. <laughs> Dear God, I cannot remember a single PlayStation 2 title. No, it was on I? PlayStation 2. It, it was, was on, on PlayStation 2. You just played <laughs> it on GameCube. I remember playing it on PlayStation 2. Why do I remember it as a PlayStation 2 game? It is. I don't well, know well, if you played it. It was on PS2. It, well, that, that, that was my larger point, was that a lot of the games were on all of them. Yeah. Well, also, keep in mind that what you're looking over at my shelf and seeing as my PlayStation 2 collection mm. is not actually my PlayStation 2 collection. My PlayStation 2 collection was actually much larger than that. It was probably two shelves just by itself. It's just, remember, when Eric left, he took all of it with him. Right. You know, he, he left me in my Final Fantasies and my Mega Mans, and he took everything else. But, anyways, Prince Persia, it was on the PS2, however. Really? I think that's one of the first kind of free-flow combat systems I saw in a game. I don't know if it was literally the first, but... I don't think it was the first, but it was... Prince of Persia came for me at a time where I was... It, it felt like the puzzle element had almost completely vanished from a platforming-type game. And so, like, I had played a couple of other games. Like, my older sister found this game, like, called Tack and the Power of Juju, and she really loved that game. Now, that was PlayStation 2, I'm pretty sure. It was all of them. Oh, well. Well, she had a PlayStation 2, because, as I said, when I moved in with Eric, I gave her my PlayStation 2. So she found Tack and the Power of Juju. I played that. It was wonderful. But the downside of it was that there was no danger ever or po- or chance of failure. Like, no matter how bad you messed up, you still, like, you, it, it's like it took you longer to fight the boss rather than you weren't able to defeat the boss. Yeah. Um, but Prince of Persia, you know, after playing all that kind of, like, vanilla, that kind of vanilla, you know, no consequences crap, then I played Prince of Persia... And I think God of War was also coming out about that same time, too. Yeah. And so it's the same kind of idea and mechanic. Um, yeah, I liked, I liked rewinding from certain time from certain deaths. Oh, I'm a sucker for time travel. I'm, I'm just a sucker for time travel, and, and, and uh, The Sands of Time did it very, very well. I thought it did an excellent job re- you know, revitalizing the Prince of Persia franchise, which as far as I know, knew had basically gone downhill since the Super Nintendo era. Well, it sort of didn't really it just, exist. Like, didn't, yeah, it just didn't exist. Basically, there were just ports of the same old Prince of Persia, sometimes with slightly better graphics. And then Prince of Persia would then go from being this sort of happy-go-lucky, you know, but neat, teen-rated, you know, almost sort of Indiana Jones-feeling... Yeah, it did have kind of an Indiana Jones-feel to it. ...thing... To this super gritty, rated, infomature, R-rated, yeah. like, rock metal. I think that's because they tried to make it more like Gods of War, than more like Boy. God of War, than just let, letting it be its own vibrant thing. Oh, I know there are the fans, but all I have to say about God of War is I played the first one and decided I never wanted to play any games in that series ever again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of did too. Like, I actually was put off by how bloody God of War was. And there's also kind of an element of, I don't want to kill the Greek gods. <laughs> well, the uh, the gameplay, like, the gameplay was, the gameplay in God of War and in Prince of Persia, I felt was really, really smooth, and it was really, 
I felt it was pretty definitive for that kind of game. Yeah. I think that it was perfected. It was probably perfected in something more along the lines of uh, the sandbox exploring type games like Assassin's Creed. But I think it had its roots in Prince of Persia, and I think Prince of Persia did it well enough that it spawned a genre. I really liked the original Prince of Persia. I did not go so much for the sequels. Although I did not try that reboot they did, but... Interestingly, The War Within actually came out a year before God of War did. Huh. Like, so, maybe God of War instead saw one. We could do that. Yeah, that could we can do be. that uh, better. That could and be we can happens. throw in some topless twin orgy action. But I, I was really happy to have a platforming that had difficult puzzles to solve to get through and had fight and had fighting that, you know, when it was time for the fighting, you the felt fighting like you fun. could do it. You didn't feel like you'd accidentally made a mistake and not stealthed properly. Yeah, that, or you, you could stealth at some point. Yeah, like, so it was a great blend of all like things. The Batman Arkham games would do it better later, but I like the freeform comment combat of the whole mm-hmm. of the Prince of Persia. Yeah, other things would do it better later, but I really did think. I keep saying this over and over again because it's what I think. <laughs> but Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, it 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 solidified a genre that other yeah. people would build. Of course, off of. PS2 also along similar lines. Also gave us the Devil May Cry series. Yeah. You know, I actually didn't play the Devil May Cry series at all, even a little bit. Um, I've played some of them. I played the original, though. I kind of almost feel like the original, I don't know, was the most fun? I remember, I believe the original one, believe it or not, was I believe supposed to be a Resident Evil spinoff. Yeah, it started yeah. life back in the early stages as a Resident Evil spinoff. Like, they wanted something that was a little more action-y, a little more faster-paced. And it ended up being a whole different animal by the time they actually released it, but... Well, speaking of Resident Evil, like, uh, also Resident Evil 4, I felt solved, like, with its... The perspective that Resident Evil 4 had, I think, solved the problem of do we do things, you know, the old over-the-shoulder perspective. I thought that solved a lot of the problems of do we have it first person or third person. Boy, Resident Evil 4 might be my favorite Resident Evil. Yeah. And what's weird about that one, that one is that was a GameCube exclusive when it started. Yeah. Like, it was that was another game that was much like Symphonia was. Mm-hmm. That it started off as a GameCube exclusive, mm-hmm. and then years later, they eventually then decided to say, ah, forget Nintendo, and they ported it to PS2 anyways. Didn't that happen a lot to the GameCube? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. The trick was, was that GameCube was also... It was the system that everyone tried to use it to keep up with the Joneses. Oh. And as time went on near the end of the GameCube's life, that's when really people started veering away from making GameCube games. Yeah. And so a lot of stuff that was GameCube exclusives that weren't made by Nintendo themselves... Got brought over. Got brought over. So I see. Well, but the Resident Evil series, really in this kind of era... in this in this generation of consoles, it really just feels like it was more a continuation from the previous one. Like, it was evolving and getting better and better, but still an evolution from the beginning. And then there was... Oh, I gotta... Don't remember the name of... Parasite that. Eve? Parasite Eve was... Uh, PlayStation 1. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Parasite Eve 1 yeah. and 2 were all PlayStation 1 games. 1 and 2 were both PlayStation 1 games. I have both. I... At home... I totally have the boxes. 
Damn, I'm old. Parasite Eve 2 was a weird Resident Evil clone with magic powers, as opposed to an RPG with some action elements. Of course, you know what was my favorite PlayStation 2 game? Jesus? Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. That wasn't (laughs) (laughs) Basil just gave me this look. This, you know what you're doing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Uh, of course, PS2 also gave us the Kingdom Hearts game. Yes. Where they launched Hearts an game. insane fandom. A crazy rabid. They would have that fandom would have latched onto it something. Yeah. But Kingdom Hearts was it, and I was a part of that fandom for a while. Okay. Yeah, the recent um, 1.5 and 2.5 releases reminded me, I really like the story of Kingdom Hearts 1. I prefer the gameplay of Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> okay. I, I loved Kingdom Hearts 1. I played Kingdom Hearts 1, like, front and back. It was awesome. It was amazing. I thought I liked Kingdom Hearts 2 for a while. And to this day, I still like the characters Axel and Roxas as I came to know them through fanfiction before I actually played the game. You think you like Kingdom Hearts 2, then logic sets in. Well, <laughs> I had seen all these cutscenes with all, the, with all like, the Organization 13 members. Like, I, I really liked the characters of the Organization 13. I, I really wanted to sink my teeth into it and get into it. And so when I fi- when when finally I was you know Eric stopped playing the game and I could play the game now, <laughs> and I sat down to play the game, the all the hate speech that all the characters did right at the very beginning of the game, like I was already prepared to get through the tutorial. Like I was like going, no, you know everybody says the part with Roxas at the beginning is weird and off and off putting, but I, I'll get through it because I like Roxas so much. And I was right. You know, I actually really liked the first little tutorial thing with Roxas. It was really awesome. Um, But then, like, when you got back with... You got put back with Sora after I'd made this connection with Roxas, it was... It was jarring. I didn't like it. And then, like, Donald and Goofy kept going, Now remember, Sora, when you see these nobodies, they may act and talk like real people. But they, but they don't really have emotions, so you shouldn't feel bad about killing them. <laughs> like, oh my god, I was just mortified. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe that this was in a video game in this day and age, and that it was, that somebody, that nobody didn't say, like, you know, let's not put this out there. Garth Sora, we gotta genocide those nobodies. I know, that's, <laughs> for serious. For serious, that's what they say. Like, Goofy even says something to the effect of sort of, it's not worth thinking about it right now. Like, it was so horrible. I just, I couldn't condone this. I mean, if Donald says something like that, you'd expect it. Donald's an asshole. But from Goofy. Yeah, like, it was... Oh my gosh, like, maybe that's a point in the game later on that you really are supposed to think about it a little hard. But, but no. But no, you don't start a game by going, they may act and talk like normal people, but they're not, so don't feel bad about killing them. Garsora, they aren't like us, so we need they, to exterminate them. They're just them. pretending to have emotions. They don't really have emotions, <laughs> so don't feel bad. It was... 
I couldn't stand it. I just couldn't stand it. And so... Oh, Sora, you want to help me kill a whole race of people? Oh, just like Disney would want. Oh, God. <laughs> and just think, this is a series that really set Tetsuro Norima, not just as a character designer, but as a game director. Yeah. There's a reason why Birth from Sleep is actually my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Like... And, and and after that moment, the Kingdom Hearts entire franchise had lost me. Like, Birth from Sleep is actually really good, but that's PSP or the 2.5 remake. Well, which we'll, we'll get to you next yeah. time. That that's another podcast. Yeah, another podcast. I will argue its merit in a later podcast. Let's wrap this this section up with Kevin telling us all about MS Saga: New Dawn. Oh yes, MS Saga. Which actually made it to the U.S., which is like, we how, why, we don't know. <laughs> At, it, it's the Gundam RPG, where you, that was almost weirdly the predecessor of Build Fighters. Really? I've never played this. I just knew it was a mobile suit game, so you had to have played it. Yes, yes, I did. The thing was, you kind of, they were all SD, but you could kind of kit bash your mobile suits together. Like, you could, you'd start with, like, you know, the core unit, and you could attach limbs and weapons and whatnot. Um, my only complaint is they never made a sequel with a, a broader range of mobile suits to choose from, but um, it was actually kind of fun. It's not like any of the characters were especially astounding or insightful, but it was an RPG where I could take Gundam Mecha out and blow up other Gundam Mecha. And, um, yeah, the plot was a little weird, but it felt, it did felt kind of like what we would get maybe later in Build Fighters, uh, except for these were totally things that existed in the real world that you were kitbatching together, not like things you were playing in a little virtual game board environment. Well, there you go. All right, well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more games on the PS2. Yeah. Don't worry. There's still a ton of them. There are. We haven't even talked about Final Fantasies yet. Nope. Uh, Not for reals. Speaking uh, of Tetsuro Norima. Uh, and other character designers. But we'll be right back. This is the Awesome Cast. Kevin has yet another PS2 tale of Gundam Triumph or Woe. Well, to tell us when you mentioned when MS Saga was mentioned, that reminded me of what actually is my favorite Gundam game, which came out in the U.S. for PS2, and that was Zionic Front, which is do tell, which is a weird one because what you're playing is a group of like Zeons. Of Zeon forces, the bad guys from Mobile Suit Gundam, as part of, in their little different parts of the little Invasion of Earth portion. And it was almost, like, actually playing the missions was not the majority of the game. The majority of the game was figuring out 
what mobile suits to send your different teams out in and what routes to send your different teams out in and hope that that worked out because everybody was like paper thin insta death one shot pretty much like this was not like giant robots slugging it out this was haha i came up behind him he's dead oh shit he came up behind me i'm dead you know like i sent down the wrong way and it's all fun in the first stage when all they've got at best is tanks and gun emplacements and you actually hear, it's a mobile suit! It's a Zaku! <laughs> Something that will be never said again, ever. Um, but once the Federation starts getting mobile suits, they're technically better than you most of the time. And there is one stage that the whole goal is survive encountering the Gundam. And the Gundam is unkillable. <laughs> You don't kill the Gundam. You just survive long enough for the stage to end. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> but it was really seriously built around planning and tactical thinking before the stage ever even started. And that's sort of what I liked about it. <laughs> Speaking of the best uh, Gundam game on the PlayStation 2, possibly the best Gundam game of all time, Steambot Chronicles. Never played or it. You, I, I you, never played you it. never played yourself some Bumpy Trot? I never played Steambot Chronicles. Really? No. I, I That was one of those games I would have pegged. You get to sort of goof around this sort of openish world in a giant robot. Yeah. It, it kind of was... It was weird. It was goofy. I'm pretty sure it was fun. It was actually developed by Irem, of all people. Yeah. The R-Type guys? Yeah, I, that's one that I, I had a desire to play and I never have. Like, it was... It, it was a really weird, oh. quirky, fun little game. I never beat it, but I, I kind of enjoyed playing it. I was really hoping to really, really and, dig into the sequel, but it never got made. Oh, and while continuing the stuff that got... Well, and stuff that got sequels from PlayStation 1 games... Wild Arms, 3, 4, and 5. Yep. But I really feel it's only worth mentioning 3. Um, I know I've like given gifts of Wild Arms 3 occasionally when I find used copies to people because I just like it that much. I think it is the best Wild Arms game. Hmm. 3. Because it's the RPG that I don't think anyone who was... Like, it's probably not true because I think it's the exact same people who worked on earlier Wild Arms games. But it feels like... They've never played an RPG before, and they don't know how RPG stories go, and they somehow came up with something fresh and interesting because of that. Like, the chick is totally the leader. You know, the character who should be, who would be the chick in the other game is the heroic leader. The guy who seems like he should be the leader in, in most any other RPG is, a, is, is more like the chick. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's mostly useless except as a little bit of emotional support. Um, it has magical Native Americans. It has a cool sniper. It's got giant robot dragons that you can fly around in. It's, and it's the most Western in the sense of, you know, movie Western, six shooters, showdowns, whistling soundtracks of any of the Wild Arms games. <laughs> Everyone has guns. Everyone has shooters. Six shooters, it's it's glorious. But speaking of dragons, Breath of Fire, Breath Dragon of Fire. Quarter. Oh, I think 
But I don't know. Did you like Dragon Quarter? Because I might be the only guy who likes that game. You're not. I, I've never played it. <laughs> much to my dismay. I think I own it. I've never played it. Much to my dismay. Because I've heard other people who enjoyed it too. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's really weird. And it's sort of the secret precursor it is, to Dead Rising. It is the black sheep of the Breath of Fire games. Um, but it is... And it's almost a roguelike. Because it's quite possible to die and leave yourself stuff to pick up on your second playthrough with like slightly better stats. In fact, you have to get through the you have the more you replay the game, you actually see more scenes of things that were happening or that you might not get otherwise. But the whole thing basically turns into a quest to reach the surface. You are in a deep underground complex after some unspecified catastrophe at least at the beginning of the game, so basically unspecified catastrophe. No one even knows if there is a surface anymore. Well, some people know, but you are not a character in a position to know. You are not that character. Yeah. And it's it's a quest to basically get from the bottom of this underground empire complex, interconnecting tunnels with cities and wasteland and monsters and all sorts of trouble and all sorts of weird ruined environments to get from the bottom to the top to save one little girl who's dying because it's too polluted down there and she's some sort of weird mutant. Hmm. But, and that's the Nina of the game. But, uh... <laughs> and, and isn't that like, that's where you, the more dragon stuff yes. you use, the worse off oh, yeah, you yeah. yeah, you get dragon powers. And for, it's great until you die. And it brings you back to life. But now, like, your dragon powers are sort of burning you up from the inside out. So every time you, it's actually a gauge that slowly increases no matter what you do. Like, just walking around will infinitesimally increase it after a little while. And if it ever hits 100%, you die. Game over. It's like, you know, there'll be like .001% will go up every, like, 10 or 12 steps or something. But, you know, it's... But you do not want to use those dragon powers. Because it just cuts your chance... Well, there's actually some strategy to... To, to doing repeats and then using a dragon power to rack up a lot of experience or good items. But, like, when you're on your I'm going to finish this damn game now play, you do not touch those dragon powers till near the very end of the game when you start running the bosses who are almost impossible to take down without using them. But other quirky games, and it, this is a series, but the whole idea was quirky dot hack. Oh, yeah. The MMO that wasn't an MMO. <laughs> Before all the other MMOs that weren't an MMO that wasn't Hunter Hunter. <laughs> and I played a little bit of the first game. And it was kind of MMO-y. I've, yeah, I've only ever played the first one. I like, I know, I've known people who are huge fans. I do too. But I it think just, we all know that person. We all know that person who's a huge fan. Well, I know two. Oh, okay. We, well, actually, we all know the same two. Oh, so yeah. we all know the same two people. Like Brad and Knuckles. Yeah. I didn't know that Michael was that oh, into Oh, Michael it. loves those series. Oh. Well, I, technically, I got all of them from Brad, and I'm supposed to give them to Michael one day if I can find them. Mm. <laughs> but no, but my, it, act, it maybe arguably did the let's make some interconnected game things better than um, some of its... Than like oh say Xenosaga, but really, and then there was the the king of all. Well, not the king of all. Well, it is the king of all cosmos, <laughs> king of all quirky. Yeah, I mean, well, it is definitely the most popular of the quirky games. Uh, Katamari uh, Damashi. 
That admittedly was quirky as hell. It was, it was. And then Namco realized, and that was just at the right time in the U.S. because they also made it cheap. Yeah. For it to sort of become a little sensation in nerddom. And nerddom was just a big enough subculture to really do its own thing. Because it was sort of, I think, around the same time during the anime boom. Yeah. And so it was really just primed to really catch the hearts and minds of yeah. all of all otaku oh, at the same time. It was shiny, weird and shiny. Just it, Japanese yeah. enough. It was easy to pick up. Challenging enough to make you want to replay it. Had a entertaining soundtrack. And had enough, just like the King of All Cosmos... You just wanted to see what the hell you would do next, so you kept playing. <laughs> like it was, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. But let us go from the king of all cosmos to quirky to MMOs to eventually lead to talk about an actual MMO, Final Fantasy X. <laughs> That's not an MMO, Basil. But it leads to an MMO because these are the Final Fantasies. That were actually on the PS2, and there were three. Yeah. And the first one was Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X. Let's see. I feel like Final Fantasy X is the first Final Fantasy where they started with the problem that they eventually mastered in thirteen, which is the tunnel syndrome. Yeah, it was kind of tunnely. It was kind of like tunnely. thirteen was a little like ten was a little tunnely. Uh, it was a beautiful game though. Like, even to this day, it's still just just beautiful. Although, it was also one of the first ones where we really started realizing that Square really wanted to have a female lead. I don't know why they couldn't have a female lead. Yeah, this is a problem of this and many future Final Fantasies. Is, like, our main character isn't the main character. (laughs) Like, he's our viewpoint character. But the story is obviously all about someone else. Yeah, the story is obviously (laughs) all about Yuna. And so why they didn't just make Yuna the main character, I don't know. Well, actually, I do know. I do know because they wanted you to connect as Titus, and so you would feel that you were Titus, and that would be your hook into this world. But I really don't think it would be that that difficult to... Well, maybe just... some of us want to think we're Yuna, huh? Well, <laughs> I do think that this is a case of Square Enix vastly underestimating their audience. <laughs> like, and, like, and especially since Titus, even as a dude, is so girly. Not as girly as Vaughn, who would come later, yes. but pretty damn girly. I'm aware of someone who renamed him Meg Ryan. Once you told me that, I couldn't unsee him as Meg Ryan. <laughs> like. Um, and Titus, well, to be nice, he can get a little annoying. Like, I did not... Well, this was the first game that introduced actual voice acting. That is yeah. true. In a Final Fantasy, and so we sort of... We, we got into this weird situation where they still wanted you to be able to name your main character so you could still get into the game and take a little bit of imaginary possession of it. They just but, never say the main character's name out loud. Yeah, <laughs> so they're like, okay, so you'll only be able to re- rename this one character. But, and they'll have voice acting and they'll just never say his name out loud. It wasn't until later that they realized that they could just let you rename them whatever, whatever you want and they'll just say their character's actual name in the voice acting anyway and everybody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> Although, 
10 was largely enjoyable. It's got a really great battle system. You uh, know, actually there were four Final Fantasies because I'm realizing 10 has a sequel. Yeah, 10 too, but... That but, doesn't count. But well, 10 totally was counts. the really... La- well, 10 was the last one I, I think that was... angry face at you, Kevin. ...directed by uh, Yoshinori Kitase and pronounced by Hironobu Sakaguchi. Yeah. Like, 10 was the last Final Fantasy that his, his actual name was attached to. My biggest problem with Final Fantasy X is that it felt like it had all the makings to be a really good movie. It's just really unfortunate that it was a video game. My favorite fun fact about Ten is elect- Electronic Arts completely ripped the combat system for Lord of the Rings Third Age. <laughs> well, the combat system was pretty good. Like, they completely ripped it off. Like, it wasn't... <laughs> The combat system wasn't that imaginative. It wasn't so. It wasn't so unfamiliar that you had a problem with it if uh, you, you were used to all the old Final yeah. Fantasies. But at the same time, it, it was a little bit newer. It, it disguised its menu system nicely. Yeah. They also ironically ripped off the ability leveling system of Ten Two. <laughs> but shut up about Ten Two. <laughs> I don't know, ten, ten is such a weird beast. Because it's obviously, like, they put so much money and effort into it. There's things in it that I love, and there's things in it that I really just, like, I'm just not too enthused about. Things that keep it from being one of my favorites. Where does Waka's hair fall in that? It falls into not one of my favorite things (laughs) about that game. But, like, I actually really liked, like, the weird metaphysical thing that is... I hope nobody minds me spoiling this game that's, like, over a decade now. But, uh, you know, Titus being the dream of a civilization, like, it was just metaphysical and wonky enough that I actually really liked it. It just, it, it rubbed me just the right way. Like, it was kind of pretentious and goofy, but I still loved it anyway. Yeah, end of the day, I, I like 10 a lot. It does like, have some ups and downs. Like, I actually, it, it was just kooky enough that I, I really did kind of like it. I kind of mm. got into it. I kind of liked how you could use the summons like Pokemon. <laughs> yes, you could use the summons like Pokemon. That was that's true. That was sort of cute. Final Fantasy X also has my favorite, sh- most favorite Shiva of all time. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy X, like the the way it posed. Oh, I'm blanking on their names as I often do. But okay, you know how the summons are actually all the sacrificed body fates. That was yeah, what the fates called. Like Final Fantasy X, like actually inspired me to like. Imagine myself of how would I be da- tied down to the altar as a as a fate, and what would my resulting summon look like? Like that's not morbid at all. Uh, like how would I have been tied down to the altar and slaughtered and thus turned into a summon? Like it did make me think about that, and I I liked it for that. But then it had all these other problems, like like the weird tunneliness of it, the fact that I couldn't like. Of all the characters, I think I probably I probably connected with Yuna and Riku the best, but that's still not particularly well. And Oron has a fandom that is, eclipses the the game's fandom sometimes. <laughs> but after ten, they 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 really zagged where they were zigging. And they announced Final Fantasy XI as Final Fantasy XI Online. Yep. They decided that what they really needed to do was hop on this MMO train. 
And I don't mean the World of Warcraft MO train. I mean the EverQuest MO train. Because mm-hmm. this was sort of around the same time that Final that World of Warcraft was just about to come out. If I think World of Warcraft, like I don't know the exact dates, but if World of Warcraft had come out, it would have been having just come out. But yeah, this was the first game to be a console. You know, to be a it was a console. And PC MMO. And they actually had this crazy hard drive that only worked in the original model PlayStations. Yeah. PlayStation 2. And I never played Final Fantasy XI. Well, what's really funny was this is around the same time that my brother was really happy. My brother was really happy that I was getting a PS2. Because I was getting, because um, he wanted to play Final Fantasy 2 because it came with a um, hard drive. Yeah. I don't even remember what size of hard drive that thing was. It could have been like more than like four or six gigs, I think. Because <laughs> that thing was like, was, was like a super small, no, it was a 40 gig hard drive. It was huge. It was huge for the time. <laughs> 40 gigs. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> 40 gigs was huge. What a time we lived in. <laughs> um, We're living in the future. It's true. And Final Fantasy XI came out in like 2003, 2004, 2006, like the early, two, like the mid-2000s, which was a, a year or two before... World of Warcraft. Ah, uh, yes. Because so, I was still living in Huntsville when Final Fantasy XI came out, and I was in Atlanta when I started playing World of Warcraft. Right. And I started playing Final Fantasy XI, I think, with the first or second expansion was out. Yeah. Uh, because my original plan was, well, if I'm going to play, my brother wanted to play this thing, and I kind of want to try it. It means a Final Fantasy MMO. And before then, I'd played Ragnarok online and enjoyed that. So I had a real one. So I decided I would get a new computer... I built a computer that could run it, and I would get it on PC. To which my brother was like, I thought we are getting it on PS2 so we get the hard drive. I'm like, but the hard drive only works on Final Fantasy uh, 11 and Resident Evil Outbreak. That's what it was. Ah. Resident Evil Outbreak. Because it, it was the online Resident Evil game. Which is another weird game. Because you didn't oh, know yeah. who was being an NPC and who was being a real player. Um, and I got it. And I played it, and I hated it, because that was a game that if you had a group of people, it'd be super fun, because everything was designed to link together, and if you could combo up, you'd have crazy light shows, and you'd gain experience really fast, it'd be really cool, but if you played by yourself, it took forever. I remember you turning that on for the first time, and I remember sitting with you as, like, we, we made that character. Yeah, the first, the first ever... The first ever, ever Douglas. Douglas White Mage. Yep. Like that was. Yep, he was a tartar. He was a tartar because we thought that was hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> and we named him Douglas Portigas. Yeah, Douglas Portigas. Because you know tartar names rhymed. Mm-hmm. They were staying character. That's but right. We also really liked One Piece. We also really liked One Piece. And that was a reference to Portuguese the Ace. And also, uh, I had I was. I was doing this thing, like, Homestar Runner was a thing, and there was a strong, bad email where they are trying to get the cheat to say a normal word. You know, like, 
Douglas. And the cheek could not say Douglas. He but just the, kept going. But like. The tree. The tree <laughs> outside was scratching at the window going. Douglas. <laughs> Douglas. And I just thought that was so funny. And I would just like continually say it over and over again. So we were like, well, what, what rhymes with Portuguese? And I just looked at them and was like. Douglas. Douglas. And that was the origin of Douglas. And I have kept the name ever since. Even though it was technically Basil's <laughs> character. character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the original Douglas is my character. But, man. Not anymore, baby. Not anymore. <laughs> oh, man. And I ended up quitting that to play Eve Online. Hated that even more because I kept getting potted. Mm-hmm. And I said, screw this, this World of Warcraft thing is supposed to be good. And then a bunch of us played World of Warcraft for, for a few years. Yeah, and then then we were bound to World of Warcraft. And then we World of Warcraft ourselves out. And only recently have we decided to hop back in the MMO train with Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm of Born, because not the original one. The original one was a sequel to Eleven, and that did not work out. But... The other major Final Fantasy that's not 10 to the another not 10. Oh, 10 to God, so really? I didn't even call it that. I was very... Oh, you really okay. don't like 10 to. Uh. No, no. 10 to is much like Legend of Crap and Dia or Tales of Crap and Dia, where you... Where I didn't even get through the first zone because I hate... No, I did get through the first zone. I hated getting through the first zone. But I did it because I just wanted to give the game at least some sort of a fair chance. But I got halfway through the second zone, and I was like, fuck this, and just turned it off. And I didn't come back to my PlayStation 2 for, like, a really long time. Like, a really, really long time. I know I say... Only I like this game about lots of games that really other people like, but I think I might be the only one who likes Ten Two. You might be. You <laughs> like, might be. In fact, I had three. Like I had a party of all girls, and I had pretty outfits to dress up in. It was like my dream game. <laughs> I hated that bullshit. Like, screw it. Stop it. it. Stop it. Stop it. Final Fantasy Twelve. Amaze balls. It was. Meh. Best Final Fantasy on PS2. Ooh, well... Yes. Maybe? Mm, yes. I don't want to yes. argue with you about it. <laughs> I I liked it a lot, honestly. I it, it, The interface took some getting used to for me. The interface took such getting used to that I cannot actually say that I have successfully played this game enough to make a comment on it. Because it's my understanding that my... Like, I sat, me and Basil used to have many, many lunches together where I would just sit and complain about Final Fantasy XII, and he would try to tell me to keep going, keep going, it gets good. And what I eventually figured out was that the problem is that the, is that the interface, like, they give it to you gradually, like, you have to go and find the different pieces. The gambits, yeah. Yeah, like, you had to go find the different gambits, and my conclusion was that they just doled out the gambits too slowly is that they didn't give the gambits to me quick enough that I could actually assimilate them and understand them as a device and so and that just killed my enjoyment for the game so I didn't get to see how amazing Balthier was I did see that how expansive the world appeared to be and I really liked that especially after the tube that 10 was yeah, it's kind of the anti-tube. Yeah. Yeah. I have joked that like Xenoblade Chronicles is the real sequel to Final Fantasy 12. But Final Fantasy 12, the gambit system 
is just the Final Fantasy system in reverse. Or with a couple, with, with two steps swapped. In pre- previous Final Fantasy games, especially with the active con- combat system, you'd have your characters, your bar would fill up, you'd have an action, choose your action, do your action. Wait for the bar to fill up. Choose your action, do your action. In 12, it was choose your action, the bar fills up, do the action. And the idea was to help you automate it, you could create gambits. Yeah. And gambits were just if-then statements. If this, do this. And I could see the complaint of them doling out too slowly. They just doled it out too slowly. I'm pretty positive that in the international version, they gave you away more of them earlier, faster. Well, that's good because... Like, maybe if I get a hold of the, an international copy, I'll actually be able to play it. they ever do the HD remake, that's what we'll get. Because they're got, like, th- at the point that I always stopped playing the game, which was around about in the sewers, I think. Um, like, it was around about in the sewers. It's after you got the little kid, whatever his name was. Uh. Uh, Vaughn? Or no, Pinello? Not Pinello. Uh. I'm a real little kid. I don't remember them being a little kid. Like, like the I little thought kid. there was another male-like kid. Oh, there was that Numbnuts, Prince Numbnuts. I don't remember his name either, but he wasn't really a party member. He just follows you around sometimes and is part of the story. Yeah, there is that guy. Like, it's, it, I recognize that it's still really early in the game. Like, because there was Vaughn, there's Pinello, there's Balthier. Yeah, had all them. Uh, well, the point I'm making is that I was in, I was far enough into the game that the game was really expecting you to be able to use your party members. Right. But there was so much to do that you really couldn't unless you set up a gambit system. But they they were so slow introducing the gambit system that I, I didn't have any gambits, so I couldn't set up a decent gambit system. And it just killed the enjoyment for me. Uh, but it's so amazing and good and wonderful. Um, Even if it is another game that doesn't know who its main character is. It's true, because, well, that, the, the problem is that this game, they knew who it wanted to be the main character, and then wouldn't let you be it, because the Japanese fans got angry. Like, the main character of this game was supposed to be Bosch. Captain Bosch. Um, and he was too manly. He was too grizzled, old man, awesome, at the young age of like thirty, yeah, to be the main character. And so, in response, they made the super girliest girly girl, like Vaughn, looking like the they, shonen thing. I don't think that they have made a, a protagonist as girly since Vaughn, and I'm including Lightning. <laughs> That's fair. And I love lightning. <laughs> like, I, I love lightning, too. So. But, so, yeah, it literally anyone, well, maybe not Pinello, but anyone besides Vaughn and Pinello would have been a better main character. Yeah. Because it's really about Bosch and Balthier and Ash and Fran, and that's, like, and really, seriously, like, Vaughn and Pinello are kind of just these weird onlookers over this other story. And it was... Like, you don't even have the romance angle. Like, it's not like Vaughn is in love with the the Ash or anything. They're, they have no... They barely have any interaction. 
you know, this was a, you know, this was one of the love childs of Yasumi uh, Matsuno. Uh-huh. You know, the guy who was behind um, Final Fantasy Tactics and Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre. And this was set in Evil East. And this might be one of the best examples of a, of a fantasy RPG world building there is. Like, the world is super, super ultra-rich and detailed. Because it is the same world of Final Fantasy Tactics and Vagrant Story. Yeah. But this was the game they really took the opportunity to flesh everything out. Like, every little bit of the game has little bits of lore and pieces and this and that. And there's lots of little nods to, to those earlier games if you know to look for them. And the world was huge and inviting and you could explore tons of it. It also, in the end, drove Matsuno into a hospital. And uh, Kwazu took over directorialship. Kwazu is the guy behind Saga Games <laughs> and is the crazy guy at Square. Yeah, um, if you've ever run into a Square game with a system that makes no damn sense, he probably made it. For example, to get the best weapon in the game, you can't open chests. What? Until near the very end. What? Yes. What? Yes. Not that this actually will necessarily... It's not like it would keep you from beating the game or anything, right. but... I found that after like, yeah, you you only open certain chests. Well, like, 9 has, like, the best weapon in the game, only if you get to a certain point in the game at a speed that's almost impossible to reach that point. Like, but no, Quasi did some weird things, and also the game, because the guy left late into the, you know, into the development cycle, it, it doesn't quite stick to landing. Like, the game has a great ramp up, gambit issues aside. Its ending's not so good. But... It is for me. It's it's a, it's it's one of my top three favorite Final Fantasies. The only Final Fantasy that's really fought since twelve to really, which isn't saying much, is fourteen. Yeah. Like, um. But no, I I really 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 like twelve, and we've been talking for thirty minutes again. So we're gonna take another break. We'll be back with more games and also questions because we need to start wrapping this thing up. We're about to to hit another quarter and that's going to be a full two hours. Okay. So we'll be back because there's a lot more games to talk about. (laughs) This is the Awesome Cast. And we return, and now it's time to talk about Metal Gear. Oh God. Metal Gear. Because Metal Gears 2 and 3 came out on this system. Yep. Oh, God. Ah, uh, 2. The massive bait and switch. And I missed, and I totally fell for it. I played this game like a year after it came out. I somehow kept myself spoiler free. Oh, you poor bastard. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. 
it was such a great thing where I was playing on the tanker and I was Solid Snake and I was talking to Otakon. We were doing Metal Gear things. Then what the crap? I'm this blonde guy and I'm riding. Well, okay, I'll play this game. This is cool. Wait, what's going on? Wait, this is entirely... He took the whole plot of Metal Gear and decided to, like, freaking... Like, flip it on its head in the game just to say, F you, my fans. And the Patriots win the Super Bowl. Wait, no, that was real life while I was playing the game. Like, it was, <laughs> man. Metal Gear 2 was an amazing thing that you can never do ever again. <laughs> like, what exactly was the troll? Was it just playing the Bishonin? Well, you, it starts off, you play the Bishonin. Yeah. And then the game is plays very eerily similar to the events of the first game. Mm-hmm. Until you realize the game's actually supposed to be a real simulation of the first game to try and truly forge them into into uh, the actual new solid thing. Only no, not really. Actually, the Patriots are this AI that's really controlling humanity, guys. And the whole thing's about information control, which is kind of funny because he did all this information control to holy to totally make you think it's all about solid thing, but actually about writing. And then you fight the president. And then you fight the president. And not has... the last time that would happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the entire game is just designed to screw with you. Wow. The entire game. And there's, of course, that one part near the end of the game where you run around and is naked. Doing cartwheels <laughs> while <laughs> holding your crotch. While holding your crotch. <laughs> Which, so, for some reason, some people have never seemed to got over that. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> it's such a wonderful game, and you, and it's sort of lightning in a bottle. Like it was the, it was you know he made such a blockbuster, and he could do whatever he wanted, and then he did it, <laughs> and so he could do whatever he wanted, and then everybody remembers why you don't let people make whatever they, <laughs> and they still do, <laughs> they still do. But then Metal Gear Three came out. It was a prequel. Suddenly, you're playing as Big Boss and his backstory, and now this was this awesome openish, like Cold War spy thriller, James Bond inspired thing. Uh, I remember going, "Wow, no laser sight except for like one gun. It's all like iron sights. This is yes. kind of cool." You know? Like, and you can crawl through the stuff, and you actually. It had a first-person uh, aiming mode, but I could actually play because just aiming and I didn't have yeah. to move. And, you know, sometimes you create a time paradox and the chief would chew you out from the future. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the, one of the sequels. Uh, no, no, was it? No. Time paradox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your... Like, you could conceivably kill Revolver Ocelot before you yes, ever met yes. him, you know. But you could also fight, you could kill the end before you even had to fight him. Yes. And the game would let you do it. And the boss fights were so inventive, and like, man, the well, the end fight, man. And it had the boss. Was was this the game that had the boss that you could beat by simply taking too long to get to? That him? was one yes. way to beat him. That was one way to beat the end. But the there end. was actually a part, like the where he was like in a scene, and if you were very quick and had a sniper rifle, and you shot the guy pushing his wheelchair, you could also then shoot him. And there would be a whole different encounter where there would be an encounter with a group of soldiers. Like there would be a large group of soldiers in the area where you would normally have the boss fight. Mm. Or you could have a sniper duel with them, which was sort of cool. And and then that duel, if you decide to instead 
not play if you save the game and not play the game for a week, you come back. It turns out he died of old age. Or reset yeah. your system clock like a few weeks ahead. Yeah. And he will have died of old age. But that doesn't count as killing him non-lethally, so there's like a thing you can miss out on if you're trying for the all non-lethal kills. But man, Metal Gear, I loved both 2 and 3. They were fun. Like, I think I, at the time, it seemed like a lot of people were pissed off about, you're not playing Snake, you're playing this weird little girly guy, and I kind of like playing Raiden. I don't know. Yeah, I, I did too. And then you got was... that sword, which was awkward as hell to use, but it was cool looking, so you used it anyways. <laughs> yeah, it was, I felt it was good times. I felt it was good times. Which is maybe why I like Metal Gear Rising Revengeance but later, but... <laughs> but Kevin... Should we go against it? Shin Megami Tensei Games Go. Oh, God. There were those. We got Nocturne in the U.S. We did get Nocturne in the U.S. Dante from Devil May Cry as a secret character. Just because the Shin Megami Tensei guys really like Devil May Cry. They said, can we use Dante? And for some reason, Capcom went, sure. <laughs> it was because it had the same um, character designer. Um, that was. I think that's a weird one because in Japan... Nocturne is basically rated the equivalent of Japan's E10, and the U.S. it was M. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is really, other than, okay, Satan is in this game, and I mean literally, it's a very... There's like, it's not any like bad language or anything. Um, <laughs> it's just like some heady, dark subject matter, but it's like Japan thought, no, this is cool for kids. And America was like, M-rated... And don't forget Digital Devil Sagas 1 and 2. Digital Devil Sagas 1 and 2, other than really needing to be one game, were fun. They were fun. And you got to turn into cool demons and eat people. Uh, and you found out eventually that the sun was a radio antenna for God, and God was angry. <laughs> and, of course, Burning Dreads, Persona 3. Because obviously Persona 4 was a Vita game. Yes. Yes, Persona 4 was a Vita game. Yes, we're going to talk about Persona 4 as a Vita game. I think that's what we should do. But Let's talk know, about Persona 3. Both Persona 3s. I bought both of them. Oh yeah, because there was Persona 3 and Persona 3 Fez, which was the better version. Which was really just came with the expansion that in Japan you could buy as a separate disc. But Atlas went, eh, let's give it to you all in one disc. And they still had it at a fairly reasonable price. But Persona 3 is definitely the more story, character story-driven than the Shin, it's Shin Megami Tensei cousin. If Persona 3 was the persona that really sort of... It introduced a ton of fans to Shin Megami Tensei as a series. Yes. And I think for a lot of them, even now, it's not really Shin Megami Tensei, it's really they just want the Persona series. Yeah. Admittedly, I started with Persona 1... That was actually my introduction to the series. It was on PlayStation with Persona. And I have more of a, an urge for that Persona style. Like, when a lot of people seem to really like 3. 3 made Atlas a lot of money. 3 sold really well. <laughs> three, three, like I said, it, that sort of re, reinvigorated or invigorated a lot of the Shimigami fan base in, in the U.S. Whereas in Japan, it's been like the number three game franchise, like behind Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. Speaking of Dragon Quest, completely now ignore Shimigami Tensei, Dragon Quest Eight. Oh yeah, yeah. Pretty the, good, too long. Journey of the Cursed King that's by level you, five. Yes, pretty you good, felt too cursed long. by the end of that journey. 
Even if you were immune to curses. But whatever, that gave us the bones that eventually made Dragon Quest Nine. It did. And Dragon Quest Nine is one of my... Dragon Quest Nine was amazing. And for some reason, Jessica's outfit was the only one that changed when you changed armor. And speaking of dragons, Drakengard and Drakengard 2. Those were effed up. Moving on. They were. Some of those endings are insane. And one of the endings created Nier. Which was insane. But that, again, PS3. What's not on PS3, on PS2, Shadow Hearts Go. Oh, sh- shit, Shadow Hearts. Yes. You're the one that played them, not me, but I, I want to. Shadow Hearts was great. It was like, it was a quasi-modern setting, except, well, the first one was like right around World War One-ish, <laughs> but it was a different sort of time setting for most RPGs, and it was this weird, dark fantasy with the weirdest interface because it had these little spinning rings with with little hands on them that you had to stop within certain blocks to make things happen. And it was such a weird combination of like dark urban fantasy and then weird JRPG slapstick with this weird alternate history plot that would freely throw in historical characters and then completely fuck with how history viewed them. Like, I'm talking a talking cat running Al Capone's gang while he was in prison, fucked up. And I want to say it was developed by Kavya, which eventually then formed the team that made Lost Odyssey, because it used sort of the well, same ring system it was to Nautilus. Nautilus was the design team. I don't know they didn't turn into that. But. Okay. And you always got a vampire in the game, and they were all from the same family, and they were all horribly insane. Um, there was always some kind of little animal buddy... You always had a protagonist. You turned into monsters. But it was... They were weird and quirky. And I don't know of anything that's really quite like them. It did have a kind of a similar Shin Megami Tensei dark urban fantasy. But it was also kind of weird historical fiction. <laughs> um, oh, those were fun and goofy. They really were. And I think you also, speaking of shadowy things... Yes, I was... The shadowy things jaunted my memory. Ico. Ico. Which was the predecessor before Shadow Colossus. I know. But really, a lot of those people consider those games sort of a pair. Well, I never played Ico, but I did play some Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus is sort of the weird prequel, but considering these are like, no one really talks... Yeah! A lot yeah, of it is... Like, you see, we're talking about all these PlayStation 2 games, and one of the things we always seem to bring up is, like, the plot, the characters, what's the story? Oh, this story was so good. Oh, this one had it's such great moments. This one had such great character development. No. Fuck that. Let's just have a guy and tell him to go kill some Colossuses. That game really... Well, one to save out, his girlfriend. That's, out, that's it. That's all you got. Yeah. The Colossuses were all cool, and figuring out how to kill them was oh. interesting. It's like a game that was made entirely of boss fights. Like it's been so long since I played that game, I don't know if the graphics held up. But at the time, I just loved playing. It was very pretty for a PS2 there, game. There was just something serene and zen about it. Well, considering they were able to do an HD upmaster. Yeah. Of both games for the PS3. I would say, yeah, the graphics probably hold up pretty decently well. Yeah. And it looks like 
a lot of people who may who were formed Nautilus did leave, joined Aquino Interactive to the to the Field Plus, and Field Plus made Lost Odyssey. That makes sense. They had a similar little wheel spinning wheel thing. So let's move straight on into questions from internet people like you. Because we've got a few, and we only have so much time left. Yeah, so I mean, we could questions. take forever, but you don't want us to take forever. Questions. You want us to talk about things. First off, from video, like I said, he asked, How much of a boost do you think the PS2 got from being a DVD player for movies? A huge one. Yeah, pretty big Didn't one. Did we answer that? Yeah, we, we already answered that, that really. <laughs> from Hisui RT, or our buddy Alan Mendez from Reverse Thieves. Best overlooked PS2 game? Shadow of the Colossus. Best overlooked. That is that is hard. Like, you know, my mind's got to go to Wild Arms 3 because I never met anyone who really loved this game like I did. Like The, the problem is that I, I did mostly like all the big name games, but I, I would have to say Shadow of the Colossus. Well, see, possibly. But, but even Shadow of the Colossus, again, again, it's they a got, pretty big name. It's, it's a, pretty a big lot name. of praise. You know, I can't really say, you know, Katamari. That's not a... You know, maybe Dragon Quarter. Dragon Quarter. Maybe maybe Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. Uh, I was honestly thinking that before I went with Wild Arms because I love Wild Arms 3. Well then, if you go with Wild Arms 3, I'm going to go with uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. I may have to, especially if I'm thinking overlooked games, I think I might have to go with Steamboat Steambot Chronicles. Okay. I'm yeah. not even a big Steam guy, but I did really enjoy Steambot Chronicles. Yeah. It was just such a weird, goofy, quirky game. Yeah. Well, I overlooked it, and I even thought, hey, I might want to play that someday. And I still overlooked it. Favorite anime-related game for the PS2, if any. Orphan, Scion on Sorcery. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Well, that would be the PS2 port of Fate Stay Night. Actually, I never played that. I am but. actually, weirdly enough, going to say, uh, g- going to say, uh, Star Ocean till the end of time. Even though it was not an anime thing, the overwhelming thing that I think I liked about it was how much the character looked like an anime character. I heard that the Full Metal Alchemist games were all right. <laughs> <laughs> they existed. Uh, did the Kingdom Hearts games count as an anime game? Yeah. I mean, I go to anime conventions I guess and I shit's everywhere. I guess if I was being absolutely serious, it would be MS Saga New Dawn because it is Gundam. But, uh... That's true. That's true. And I'm a sucker for an RPG. Did any of you play Okage? I have not. <gasps> no, I actually really wanted to. Uh, that's the one with, like... I think it's like, like the I'm Shadow King or something. No, that's Okami. Oh, okay. Well, Okami, Okami. Okami oh. is another game that I, I desperately want to play that game, but I never actually yeah. have. Okami was really good, and we didn't say jack about that, but yeah. Well, I didn't say jack about it because I never actually yeah. got to play it. Like, Yeah, well, there were some games I, I, I left out, like Burnout. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed the Burnout series of racing games. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed a lot of the Need for Speeds. I really, I played a ton. Oh, yeah, I remember you playing Need for Speeds A Need for Speed now. Carbon. I played a ton on Need for Speed Carbon on PS2. Like, I that remember was, that now. Like, I remember uh, your house and playing it. That wasn't Carbon, because I played Carbon on, on 360. No, I played, uh, like, the, the um, Underground. Yeah, underground. That I played was Underground. I played Underground. Um, so, yes, I did play Okage. I did play Need for Speed Underground. 
I think I just lost my nerd cred. <laughs> but Kevin can regain his from Alan's next question. Sui codes three through five. Yay or nay? Three, okay. Four, I kind of hated. Five was pretty good. Five was kind of almost back up to two. Not quite up to two level, but close. And next up from, once again, from Hisui. <laughs> Alan, favorite Shobagame Tensei for the PS2, including spinoffs like Persona. Ooh. I'm actually torn between Nocturne and the Digital Devil Saga games, but I I, lean more towards Nocturne. I'm going to unfortunately have to go as a, once again, dirty heathen and say Persona 3 because that's the only Shimagami Tensei game I played to completion on PS2. Even though I played a decent bit of the action-y one, Devil Summoner. Yeah, Devil Summoner. And I even own the sequel, like the collection with the that's still in its box with the plushie. With little plushie. But I've yet to actually open yeah. the box because I really like the plushie. I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. So those are okay. Those are okay. Yeah. But no, Nocturne. I love Nocturne. Then we've got. For how long was your? P- this is from Nico. For how long was your PS2 your primary DVD player? Until I got my PlayStation 3. You know, that is probably true. Like, I have never actually had an independent DVD player. I have always had it. It started at first as a PlayStation 2, and then when I got a PlayStation 3, then my PlayStation 3 was my primary DVD player. Then I think at some point my Xbox 360 became my primary DVD player, and then now my PlayStation 3 yeah, is my I, primary DVD player once again. I have literally fumbled around on my parents' Blu-ray player controls because I'm used to doing my interaction on a PlayStation controller. Yeah. <laughs> I, not very long. <laughs> I actually got a DVD up converter, like, yeah. for a high-dev TV is pretty fast, and again, I use my PC for a lot of my DVD watching. Yeah. Like, I actually really, I used my PS2, and it was my primary DVD player for a while, but it wasn't for very long. Like I said, I was really way more of a PlayStation 1 player Mm -hmm. than a PS2 player. So formative. It was so formative, apparently. But, there you go. And then... Ostensibly, it was... Very formative. Very formative. Apparently. Apparently. And Mr. John Robbins at underscore Johnny5. Oh, yeah. Which PS2 game did you spend the most time with? Uh, uh, I want to think... I uh, Actually, I think Kingdom Hearts 1. I think Kingdom Hearts 1. Ooh, this is... This is hard. <laughs> um, I think if for sheer quantity of repeat playthroughs, Wild Arms 3 might be tops. Um, but boy, like one playthrough of Persona 3 like sunk me in like 90 hours. Um. <laughs> wow, that was really weird. For a time, I, my Twitter said Dylan asked the question as well as Nikia, but he really didn't. That was just a really weird quirk. Um, probably Final Fantasy Tactics or Symphony of the Night. Those were PlayStation 1 games. On my PS2. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, that, that's the actual truth. If I'm counting PlayStation 1 games, uh, Final Fantasy 7, again, on PlayStation 2 now. Ooh. But the actual <laughs> PS2 game, I think, was Metal Gear Solid 3. Yeah, but coming out PS1, it might be Xenogears. Um, Gears. It's probably either Metal Gear Solid 3 or Final Fantasy 12. And, in fact, I might even say Overlook game. I feel at this point in my life, I might be able to pitch a fight for Final Fantasy 12 based off most Final Fantasy fans. Yeah. Um, 12 is a divisive game. It is sort of a love, hate, or complete ambivalence sort of game. But there was that T-Rex thing you ran into like five minutes after leaving the town that would instantly murder you, but only if you attacked it. But everyone did. <laughs> you know, and other games have kept that going. Like, even in Fantasy Life, yeah. you play Fantasy Life. Yeah, there's, there's like, totally a dragon that will kill you dead if you attack it. Just, just don't attack it. <laughs> but when later in the game you started getting your, like, super moves and you came back and you just flattened that T-Rex, it was so <laughs> satisfying. So yeah, so in conclusion, what um, what are some of your most fondest memories? Besides killing that damn T-Rex. <laughs> Besides killing that damn T-Rex. Ooh. Man, and you could actually, to actually fight the T-Rex you really wanted to, you could actually, it was a really like convolute, like, it was its own little mini storyline of like running into like a canyon and things. Like you could really. There were, pe- there were a lot written about how you could kill that. Yeah. Strangely. Um... Also, Xeno Gear or Xeno Saga Episode Three, when they basically give Cosmos a super robot reactor, and she fights one of the Testaments on equal footing for the first time, and it's got like the best music in the whole game. It's like the best cinema scene in the whole game, and you know I actually tear up a little bit every time I see it. Mine would probably have to... It was definitely in Metal Gear Solid 3. Like, the one moment I really remember, like, going like, oh, man, oh, man, was, in fact, when you're climbing up the ladder down mm-hmm. this long tube. Oh. You've been in this underground complex for so long. And as you're climbing, they start singing the theme song. They're playing the Snake Eater. The Snake Eater theme song. It's, like, such a Bond song. Yeah, but you're, <laughs> like, where sometimes you had to feed on a tree frog. <laughs> yeah. So something to fight... To survive, <laughs> and you get it's like it's such a long climb because you're still in a dream, snake eater. Like you know, and you're just climbing up, and she's singing the song, and it's just her singing, very echoey. Like, and it's just like, and it, and it goes through the whole thing. You just, just keep climbing. You almost expect to see some lady singing at the top, but yeah. there isn't one. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> oh man, it was such. It was that was just such a. Apparently, a stimsily informative moment. Yeah, <laughs> and boy, I still want to say the boss is such a great adversary. I don't even want to yeah. call her an antagonist or the or the villain, or she gets that's not even right. She's such a great adversary. <laughs> so, Senor Douglas, I think the moment that will stay in my memory the longest is. Probably my favorite moment with my PlayStation 2 was a Christmas afternoon. I had a plate of little Smokies, you know, sitting on a little coffee table right in front of me, sometimes pulling it up into my lap, sometimes putting it down. I was snuggled in right into my spot on the couch, the one that was perfectly shaped around me. 
my little sister was to my was to my right, and she was watching avidly as we played Final Fantasy X in just like the darkness of of our little play area while our parents argued downstairs the year before they got <laughs> divorced. Ah, PlayStation Two, making parents yelling survivable. Well, that's important. That that is important. So if you had to pick one game to be your PS2 game, what game would that be? Like, Forsaking All Others? Forsaking All Others. If you can only choose one, you've sliced all the fatted calves into pieces, and you can only take one piece home, and those pieces were all PS2 games. What's that hunk of meat you're picking out to take home to grill on the, on the Barbie? That's a hard one. Although, I'm pretty sure I had my answer almost immediately. Uh, and that is Wild Arms 3. <laughs> There's just, I don't know, that game is secretly magical. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to play it now. Yeah? I think I gave it to you at some point. <laughs> you might have, you might have. Yes. I don't think I gave you one, Doug, and that's probably a flaw on my part, but if Basil finds his, maybe you can borrow it. <laughs> we'll need to get it, we'll need to get it with a PS2 then. Oh, Since yeah. the PS3 doesn't play PS2 games anymore. Ah, damn it. Yeah, that's something I run into occasionally these days, now that I have a not first-generation PS3. Thank God that mine still runs. Thank God. Like, mine... Yeah, I miss being able to play my PlayStation 2 games on my PlayStation 3, but oh well, what you gonna do? Fortunately, my PS2 works fine, but... God, my... I still... I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's between Metal Gear 3, Solid 3, and Final Fantasy 12. And I don't... And I've put myself in this own corner. You have. I put, you have to the, choose. The, Doug, you answer while I'm choosing. This is like... Oh, uh, I, thought, I thought my answer was... Was a parent, which is Tales of Vesperia, hands down. Okay, after Tales of Vesperia. After Tales of Vesperia. Yes. Well, you realize that it's a pretty long list, you know, from Tales of Vesperia down to anything else. Yes. Okay. Uh, New PS2 game that's actually on the PS2, not other systems that is then just on the PlayStation <laughs> Two for no apparent reason. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. I guess. I guess I'd probably go with Tales of the Abyss. I think between your choice of Metal Gear Solid 3 and uh, Final Fantasy 12, you must compare the two greatest asses of those games, Snake's ass and Balthier's ass. Snake. There's your answer. answer. Dude, no one, no one makes makes an ass like Kojima. Like, (laughs) Snake and Bayonetta could have an ass off, and I don't know who'd win. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't know that's how amazing the Kojima ass is I would rank it up there with the Bayonetta level ass and that's pretty high level ass to go with I want to play Tales of Vesperia <laughs> right now <laughs> and how's that different from any other time well it's but, not really Just I'm just but, putting it out there <laughs> if you were to pick up a PS2 game right now and play it in a PS2 that you don't have, but you'd have this in this conversation, 
what PS2 game, after we're done talking about all these other games, do you want to plug in? I'm going to say Wild Arms 3. I think Kevin's convinced me. But now I've picked it, so Kevin can't pick that one. Pick another one. Maybe Final Fantasy 12. It's a good one. I'm thinking about that T-Rex. You know, he's out there. And I haven't killed him in a while. I'm, I'm still going Tales of Vesperia. <laughs> awesome. It doesn't work. No! <laughs> the PS2, in fact, chews it up and spits it out and goes, No! There's a version of that on PS3, you know, only in Japan. Well, I, I, I and in my house, yeah. I have that version of Final It's yeah. true. Yeah. I made sure of that. <laughs> But you had to pick one that wasn't Vesperia. Something that would actually play in the PS2, but is a PS2 game. Not a PS1 game, because otherwise I'd be playing all, all over different games. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it was a PlayStation 2 game, I'd pick Final Fantasy VII. Done. <laughs> uh, let's see. No, if I had to pick... I already answered this question. I just said Tales of the Abyss. Okay, well... That's like saying Tales of Vesperia. I know. <laughs> uh, well, no, uh... Yeah, it would be it would be tales of a uh, it would be tales of the abyss just because it gives me what I typically want out of a video game the best out of all of the selection. Well, this has been an awesome cast, all about the PlayStation Two. The next one will be a PlayStation Three and Four and PSP and Vita. It's going to be a big one. We say that now. <laughs> we'll see I, how we break it up. Well, time. considering how much we honestly were 360 guys yeah. before PS3, I think this is going to be a little bit different of a different story come this next upcoming episode. But until then, you can find all our episodes at awesomecast.com, O-S-M-C-A-S-T.com. You can find us on social medias, Twitter at AwesomeCast, Tumblr at AwesomeCast, Facebook at AwesomeCast. Instagram, we don't have that yet. You can find me on Twitter at It's Basil Time. You can find Kevin at Twitless underscore Kevin. You can find us on the Leviathan server in the primal sector of Final Fantasy XIV, a realm of born. And Odin, places... Odin Spear. Yes, we are Odin Spear, not Odin Sphere. Yeah, that's true. Which is another PS2 Which game we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah. Odin Sphere. That was sort of a good one. We are a great memoir. But, anyways, that's us. This has been a long one. We're done. Thank you. Good night. We're out.